0: Our reading this week is from John chapter 19, so if you can find your way there, please. John's Gospel, chapter 19. As we continue our study in John's Gospel, we'll take our reading from verse 1. It says, Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head they clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again saying hail king of the jews and they slapped him in the face once more pilate came out and said to the jews gathered there look i'm bringing him out to you to let you know that i find no basis for a charge against him when jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe Pilate said to them here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him they shouted crucify crucify. Pilate answered you take him and crucify him. As for me I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted we have a law and according to that law he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. When Pilate heard this He was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? And Jesus answered, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judge's seat at a place known as the stone pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabatha. It was the day of preparation of the passover it was about noon here is your king pilate said to the jews but they shouted take him away take him away crucify him shall i crucify your king pilate asked we have no king but caesar the chief priests answered finally pilate handed him over to them to be crucified As we review this section of God's word together, what John has given to us, we need to remember what John's theological reason is for writing. Do you remember in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, he he wrote there that Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing you may have life in his name those two verses john 20 verses 30 and 31 really have to shape our understanding every time we approach a text uh, from john's gospel remember he's been writing this at the end of the first century years after the events have happened and while it is an accurate historical account it's a history with a definite purpose And John wants his readers, us included today, to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. uh, The one that God had promised who would be the great saviour of his people. That he is the son of God. And that, that believing in him would bring life to us. Which implies that we don't have the life that God wants for us to have automatically. So when John has told us in John 20 what his purpose is for writing, we know that we're not to be passive, merely passive readers or bystanders. Uh, We're not just to sit here and, and look at this impassionately. We're to get involved and we're to arrive at conclusions and we're to make decisions based on those conclusions and based on the realities that John presents us with in his writings so so what is it that God through John wants us to see what is it he wants us to understand what is it he wants us to believe and what is it he wants us to do I think anyone coming to this text give it to anybody in the world and they would conclude I think that a great injustice has occurred an innocent man is tortured under questioning. And though he's found guilt not guilty repeatedly, he's handed over ultimately to the Roman death squad and handed over to be crucified. We'll find out what that involves next week in God's will. You know, if that is our reaction, and I believe that, is what John is wanting us to arrive at, to see that there is a great injustice here. Then that reveals that in us, there is a desire to know what truth is. And also in knowing what truth is, to see that justice is done according to the truth. And that's why in our worlds there are outcries when justice is not seen to be done. But what is our estimation of truth? And what is justice, ultimate justice? That can vary from person to person. But John wants us to see that there's a great injustice here because he wants us to see that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that the injustice is done against him. And we're all culpable for it. You know, proconsuls or governors, Roman governors or proconsuls, they were the highest. Um, magistrates in the land and the highest judicial Roman authority in the region of of this region normally would have been located up in Caesarea, which is on the coast north of Jerusalem. But at Passover festival time, the proconsuls or the governors would come down to Jerusalem because there was such a gathering of people, of these oppressed Jewish people, that there was the risk of uprising so the proconsul would come down. That's why Pilate is in Jerusalem at this moment in time. Now, it's Pilate that we've been introduced to in the last chapter, and again, we're looking at his assessment of the facts, the realities before him, and his decision-making based on that. And he has said once, already in chapter 18 and verse 38, that he, he finds no basis for the charge that the Jews are bringing against Jesus. And we've had it twice in chapter 19, in verse 4 and verse 6. He says that Jesus is not guilty of the charges leveled. And the Jews were saying that Jesus was some self-appointed rebel king and he was involved in an uprising against the Romans. That's really the charge that the Jews were bringing. The Jews themselves had rejected Jesus because he had said he was the son of God and they counted that as blasphemy. You know, the Jews were wanting to get rid of Jesus to preserve their own political position with Rome. While things weren't good on the Rome, they were probably better and more stable than they could be, so they wanted to hold on to that. But Pilate is the Roman governor here in Jerusalem at this time, and he's in political trouble himself, you know. History tells us that he's, got into a situation of an increasingly unstable relationship with Rome. He's been too heavy-handed in his dealings with the Jews already. And actually, we're given a reference to that in Luke's account in chapter 13 and verse 1. It says he mixed the blood of the Galileans, the region from which Jesus of Nazareth came from, with the blood of their sacrifices. Now, that got him into some trouble with Rome. But also, he had a sponsor and a mentor back in Rome. Who'd actually helped him climb up through the ranks and that man had recently been executed because he'd attempted to take over the emperor's position for himself you know emperor Tiberius was in the habit of spending a long time away from Rome a little bit of an odd character so there was a bit of a power vacuum in Rome so you've got a man that's in a precarious political position and it just gets worse for him because the Jews change their main charge, that they've been leveling against Jesus, as we've read here in chapter 19. They, they change it in verse 7. You notice what they say. He said, whenever Pilate says, there's no reason for, for this man to, to be crucified. You know when he says, you take him and crucify him yourselves, I think that's sarcasm. I think that's him saying, that you have no power, Jews, to do what you want me to do. But there's no basis for the charge but they come back in verse 7 and say we have a law and according to that law he must die because he claimed to be the son of god it tells us in the text that that caused more fear for pilate he was a man already afraid you know pilate is is no atheist pilate would have been a man who along with most of the romans would have worshiped the roman pantheon of gods, Jupiter, Mars, Mercury, and all of them. And they had offspring that were half God, half human, like Hercules, who could do superhuman things. And they were called sons of God. You know, even Emperor Augustus and Emperor Tiberius uh, were called sons of God, sons of divine Augustus or sons of divine Julius, Caesar himself, who'd been deified. So here before him is a man that maybe he has heard something about who has done some superhuman feats. He's heard about this because he's a magistrate over all of Galilee and Judea. He's heard about this Jesus and what he is claimed to have done. And here he is standing before him and he's just a mere man. And he's seemingly proven that that through his scourging of him, through his flogging of him. And he brings him out and says, look, look, here's the man. But now the Jews say he needs to die because he said he's the son of God. Pilate's afraid because of this one who's standing in front of him. And did you notice what he said to him? He goes back into the the private quarters and he says, where do you come from to Jesus? You know, he's probably got in his mind what we read last week in uh, John chapter 18, where Jesus had said to him, my kingdom is not of this world, not of this cosmos. You know, we use the word cosmos to describe everything that we see around us in this created universe. And Jesus says, I'm not of this cosmos. He says, my kingdom is from another place. It's not from here. And now Pilate is a frightened man and he comes and he says, where are you from? And Jesus doesn't answer him. And you can sense the frustration. Look, I have the authority to free you or to crucify you. And Jesus' response in verse 11. You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above therefore the one who handed me over to you and that's a reference to caiaphas i believe is guilty of a greater sin you know pilate's being faced up here with the reality that the one who has been called the son of god by the jews is claiming to have come from a place beyond this world and he's now claiming to know that the very authority that pilate has has been given to him from above here's a man who's most likely very frightened let's not skip over what the lord jesus said here he says the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin that's caiaphas caiaphas was the the leader of uh, the jewish sanhedrin and the highest judicial authority in in uh, judaism and he should have known from god's word who the messiah would be but they they couldn't say it and we've we've gone through this many times but to get rid of him they hand him over to pilate so that crucifixion the death sentence could be brought and jesus said that caiaphas is guilty of a greater sin you know he said to pilate you're guilty of sin but there is one who's guilty of a greater sin and that's a reminder to us that God's word tells us that each of us is guilty of sin, but it also tells us something that God knows what our sin is like. And for some, their sins are heinous and they cause us to recoil at the horror. And God knows, and God will bring his judgment against that. But you know what else is remarkable? That God in his grace will save even the greatest of sinners. If they will acknowledge who Jesus of Nazareth is, that he is the Messiah, the Son of God. So we see Pilate sitting after his little mini interrogation of Jesus again. And Jesus is a sorry figure, is he not? Dressed in a purple robe with a crown of thorns. He's been mocked and he's just been referred to as the man, And he's mocked as a king and Pilate comes out and says, shall I crucify your king? And the response comes back, we have no king but Caesar. Where's Pilate? He's sitting on the judge's seat, the place of highest authority in the land at that time. And he's making his decision based on the evidence that's been brought to him. And what does he do? He gives in to the political pressure, self-preservation for himself. He gives in to the pressure from the Jews, probably wanting to avoid whatever unrest could could occur if he doesn't give them what they want. He's a man who's weak in the face of the pressure that comes. We're all like that, aren't we? So he puts it to them again, shall I crucify your king? We have no king but Caesar. You know, for the Jews to say that, that was a complete rejection of all that they stood for claiming to be God's people and that they would have a king over them who would be of the line of David was a symbol of their being God's people. And here the saying, we have no king, but Caesar Tiberius who's sitting on an island somewhere, not filling the authority position he should in Rome. What a sad story. injustice because Jesus is handed over by Pilate, we're told, to the soldiers who will take him and crucify him. handed over to the death squad. What do we learn about God from all of this? That even the greatest of evil, and we're going to see how that plays out in the weeks that are to come, And how the greatest of injustices, and nobody can look at this and say it's not an injustice, the greatest of evils and the greatest of injustices remain within the bounds of God's sovereignty. Nothing is outside of his ultimate control. Jesus has said as much in his interrogation by Pilate. It tells us about God and at the same time in all of his sovereignty does not absolve us as moral, deciding agents who are operating within God's sovereignty. We're not absolved of the responsibility and the guilt of the voluntary decisions that we make. We get that from what Jesus says as he faces this interrogation too. You know, God gives great responsibility to every single individual that lives and breathes. We go back to the beginning of our Bibles and we're told that we were made in the image of God to reflect his glory. And when we don't, we fail. And that's what sin is. You know, God demands from each one of us, whatever our position, whether we be a pilot in uh, our governance of people or Tiberius sitting over the greatest empire on the earth at the time, whatever the position we might have, whether we have no position at all or whether we have some position, God demands from each of us a response to his revealing of himself in all of creation through our consciences. Do you notice how Pilate is kicking against his conscience through all of this, through what God says in his word? Do you see the Jews just setting aside the word of God and what we see in Jesus, the Christ. And here we see the ultimate rejection of the Jews, And the Gentiles, if we can say that, the ultimate rejection of everyone, of the one that God has sent to reveal himself. Jesus, the son of God, endures this injustice, the mockery, the torture, the death that we're going to get to as he sacrifices himself for the good of those who will be saved. This is who we see God to be. That he has declared his sovereign purposes and that everything that works within those sovereign purposes is to reveal the glory of his salvation that is in the person of jesus christ and that is at great cost to himself he will not maneuver to preserve himself in fact we see jesus giving himself the apostle paul when he was writing his letter to the churches in the, the region of galatia galatians chapter one said the lord jesus christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. We see Jesus, the eternal son of God, the Messiah, giving himself sacrificially for the good of others. And that in such contrast to Jews and Gentiles who were just manoeuvring for self-preservation. And that's what we learn about people from this as well, don't we? The people will often choose what is seemingly best in the moment for ourselves and usually that's to preserve us we're good at looking after number one it's not natural for us to look for the the good for others you know often when we make our decisions and our choices it can be at the expense of others and when that gets really out of control we see the cruel and destructive and degrading behaviors in ourselves but also in those that we live with when we see the things that happen on the news and we're disgusted we need to be careful that we don't overlook ourselves because we have those tendencies too as sinners so Pilate had come out and sat in the judge's seat the highest judicial authority in the land weighed up all of the evidence he says here's the man the man with a crown of thorns mocking his kingship, a purple robe mocking his kingship. He's been abused, dishonored. John doesn't want us to have pity for Jesus. John wants us to sit in Pilate's seat and come to a different decision about who Jesus is. He wants us to stop and think about him. So put yourself in Pilate's seat, if you would, please. In Acts chapter 10, as Peter was preaching to the household, household of a Roman centurion, he said that God commanded us to preach and to testify that Jesus of Nazareth is the one whom God appointed as the judge of the living and the dead. So, as we, as individuals, sit with Pilate in the judge's seat and arrive at a conclusion about who Jesus is, we need to remember that Jesus goes through this experience through the crucifixion through death into resurrection and he is the one that god has appointed to be judge of the living and the dead would you turn with me to revelation chapter 19 please because john who wrote this gospel was also given a vision of things that are yet future and a vision of the lord jesus and when you've got time later i'd like you to go back and read revelation chapter 1 verses 12 onwards just to see his vision of this resurrected jesus the one whom God has appointed to be judge of the living and the dead. He's, he's the one with all truth. He's the one with the right to bring all judgment. And he's not going to be twisted and turned by any persuasion outside of himself. Look at Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11 with me. John says, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are blazing fire and on his head are many cries. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. And he is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven are following him. Riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. And coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which he will strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. As we sit in Pilate's judgment seat, as we look at who Jesus is, we can look forward to seeing who Jesus is here. And he is the one appointed to be judge of the living and the dead. And we're called to respond to the one who would go through that torture, uh, through that mock trial, through that injustice, so that we could be reconciled to God. That sin that we have that rejects him and brings all of the wrath of God against us would be taken by him on the cross for those who will put their faith and their trust in him. This is the miracle of God's grace, that he would do that for us. And God is just in doing it. It's not an injustice that we who are guilty of the worst of sins would be forgiven by God. Because God in his son has suffered the wrath against our sin so that we might be free. And if we don't accept it and we don't believe it and we don't do anything about it, and we make the wrong decision like Pilate did and say, let's have nothing more to do with this. Then we'll face this judge one day when he's coming and he's faithful and he's true. I want to finish with a reading from First Timothy, please. This is an encouragement to us who are believers in the Lord Jesus. First Timothy chapter 6. Just very quickly, there's a reference in here that uh, mentions Jesus's faithfulness as he went through this experience before Pilate. And it's used by Paul to encourage younger Timothy to be strong in his faith. And I pass it on for your, just to read it and for your, your later consideration of it. And it comes after a section where Paul says that there are going to be false teachers who will say false things. They're looking to line their pockets. They're looking out for number one. And people are going to be lovers of money, and they're going to be looking out for number one. And that'll be at the expense of other people. And he says, don't be like that. 1 Timothy 6, verse 11, he says to him, to Timothy, but you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And I think that's a reference to when we would confess that we are saved by faith in Christ alone at the moment of our baptism. Verse 13, in the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus, notice he's saying that Jesus is watching, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, notice how he links, Timothy's good confession with Jesus's good confession before Pilate, he says, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time, God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see to him be honor and might forever. Amen. There's an encouragement for us as believers to be unwavering in our holding fast and taking hold of this life that jesus has given himself to give to us going through all of that injustice he paul is saying look if you face circumstances where you would be pushed and pulled by the influences of men and women around you your peers whatever it might be governments or whatever powers he says no You run away from self-preservation and you give yourself, like Jesus, to standing for truth. And do that until Jesus is revealed. And when he's revealed, we'll see his glory and delight in that with him.